Speaking of this sort of stuff, uh, headline, Bitcoin tumbles while altcoins start downside correction. It's almost the opposite of what they've just said. <laughs> so, I mean, like, do you know what I mean? This is why we do the shows, because... It's like, what the fuck is going on in the media? Do you know what I mean? It's like, no, it's running, and no, it's down. It's it's like, what do you do? You know, it's, it's like... Welcome to Opposite Day. Bitcoin and blockchain technology has captured the world's attention with its promise to fundamentally change the way that business is done across all industries. But where there is so much promise, there is an equal amount of confusion about the technology and crypto instruments. In December 2017, the Bitcoin price was at an all-time high of $19,783. The world's media went crazy, saying that Bitcoin's price had gone parabolic. And despite the warnings of savvy investors, ordinary people invested into Bitcoin without knowing the full extent of the risks involved. People took out credit cards, second mortgages and personal loans to get into the cryptocurrency gold rush. But just a few short months later, over $600 billion was wiped off the value of cryptocurrencies and the large majority of people lost everything. But some investors became millionaires literally overnight and in the process became financially free for the rest of their lives. But are cryptocurrencies the answer to financial independence for a few or for many? To get the answer, we have launched a new series called Crypto Kung Fu, which will take an investigative look at the current news, risks and opportunities in the cryptocurrency space and give you access to the world's leading crypto experts right here on the Map Round Show. Listen closely to our $1,000 trading challenge where we will ask these experts to trade with our money to prove whether the world of crypto, like Bitcoin, really do live up to the hype. Oh, and if you'd like to join the conversation, you can reach me at MattBrownZA on Twitter and Instagram or search for The Matt Brown Show on Facebook and YouTube. Hey there, guys, and welcome back to our Crypto Kung Fu series here on the Matt Brown Show. We are five episodes in and counting. And get ready for a good one, because joining me today is the Monero man himself, Ricardo Spagni, the lead maintainer of the Monero cryptocurrency. You know, the deeper we get into the series, the more we are realizing how crypto is changing the way we see the world. And slowly but surely, everyone is catching on and waking up to the smell of the crypto flowers, if that's a thing. In this episode, we talk about all things crypto and plunge into more hot topics like the ever-increasing demand for privacy as new currencies evolve, the rise of something called the altcoin season, Turkey's plans to establish national blockchain infrastructure, what a Swiss crypto bank looks like from the inside, and the impending blockchain device boom. And pay attention to a little-known secret about the Winklevoss brothers, or twins, and how they are influencing first-time crypto investors. And should you care? Hell yeah. So without further ado, enter Ricardo Spagni. And we're live. Hey guys, welcome to part five of Crypto Kung Fu. With me on the line is the Fluffmeister. <laughs> the Fluff Pony. <laughs> the man from Monero. <laughs> Uh, where are you guys in the cryptocurrency stack? Wait, don't answer that. Welcome to the show, Ricardo, buddy. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> where are you guys in the market cap index at the moment, Monero? Number? Absolutely no idea. Really? Number I'm something. Not, I'm looking no, at that right. No, I don't really pay attention to that. Usually I wouldn't go straight into coin market cap this early on the show. But uh, because I, you don't know your own business, I'm going to uh, – here you are. You're number 12, one point – That's because it's not a business. Oh, come on. <laughs> Everything's a business. It's like what did Jay-Z say, Q? I'm not a business. I'm a business, man. <laughs> um, and, and then uh, Monero, one point, just under $1.3 billion in market cap. That's, uh, that's frighteningly big. Congratulations. <laughs> well, it's certainly better than South Africa's GDP. Uh, <laughs> 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 That's like the first joke. But you can must... I have like? Can I have one of those like uh, sound people in my life? You you so can. When you... I walk into a room and make a joke that back in play. You can, you can. Nice. You know, like uh, you know, we work with only the best here, so. You know, you'll be amazed at all the different sound effects that we have. We add to them every show, so you can. Th- 
Nice. That's brilliant. So the audience approves of my uh, my funny, hilarious attitude. <laughs> So, um, so great, dude. It's the first time you, you <laughs> it's great. You're the, it's the first time you've been on the Matt Brown show type thing, uh, covering crypto. Um, and, uh, so I, I always like to ask, um, you know, the guys, uh, sort of hit up. It's like, I suppose you're a bit different. I was going to ask you, what have you seen over the last 18 months? Maybe you can tackle that one. But for those of you who don't know anything about Monero, uh, Ricardo, please give us the headline. Put that story on a billboard for me. And then what the hell has happened over the last 18 months since uh, the big gold rush of our $19,000 high-end price on Bitcoin? Monero is a privacy-enhancing cryptocurrency. So its main aim is to provide its user base with maximal privacy. So that means providing default privacy for everyone. You can opt out, but uh, obviously the the important thing is that everyone has privacy by default. So you get the biggest privacy set you can, um, and it's really strong privacy. So that's really the Monero's aim. Um, and there are a lot of reasons that uh, that we believe that everyone involved with, Mon- with the Monero project believes that privacy is and should be a basic human right. Um, in terms of what's happened over the past 18 months, I think it has, there's been, I mean, you know, markets go up, markets go down. This is like my sixth bear market or fifth bear market that I've been in. So it's, you become largely, um, uh, immune to it. Um, and it is a great, uh, clearing. It's, it's almost cathartic the way it clears, uh, the space from scams and, poorly run projects and projects that are being built and maintained by people that have no clue what they're doing and shouldn't have gotten involved in the first place. Mm. Um, and I, I really appreciate the bear market for, for doing that. Um, in the meantime, people that are building cool stuff are not really affected. Projects that have raised money and know how to handle that raise are not really affected. So, I mean, it's for me, it's okay. It's great. Yep. It's um it's a true thing that actually in any market really people say, you know, South Africa's in the in the midst of a, a very poor economic climate and it's a really bad time to start a business. And then my view it's actually a really good time to start a business because if you make it, you've got a bloody good business. <laughs> so uh, so dude, um we're gonna dive into the news um and uh let's do that now. Oh, hold on a second. I'm missing something. The see, you see, Ricardo, I told you you would have fun. I'm going to give you a thousand dollars to trade. <laughs> I'm going to give you a thousand dollars to trade, and I'm not even joking. We've got uh, 900 and what is it now? 51 dollars. Yeah. So every guest is trading uh, for us. Um, so basically, what you have to do is give us a trade. Um, but I'm going to ask you to give that to us at the end of the show. Uh, just a quick update, guys. Um, we are still running that short from Turnvase on Bitcoin for a period of week, and we've and from Rand's trade yesterday. Uh, basically, um, yeah, we've we've lost some money. It's uh, it's not good on the alts. But anyway, uh, we digress. So it's time for the news. <laughs> We don't mess around here when it comes to the news. Hard reports Clearly. on crypto. <laughs> Clearly, I, I feel honored to be part of this. <laughs> so here we go. Um, let's start with, let's go with this one. You're an altcoin, are you not? I'm a human being. <laughs> but in your real life online, right? <laughs> in, in my real life online. I am indeed an old coin, fluffy coin. <laughs> You're a fluff coin. <laughs> yeah. That's got all sorts of other connotations. But anyway, it, we're moving on. Does. So uh, in the news, this episode, dozens of altcoins on the rise, but is it alt season yet? Um, fluff pony, you have already hit this, uh, hit this one up, I suppose, or set it up rather than hit it up. But um, alt season, hectic. What the hell is going on here? Um, looking at a graph with, I don't know, let's say probably, what's it, 10-odd altcoins, and they're all on a run. 65%, 19%, 41%, 13%, 44% on Maker. Um, are we in alt season? Not yet. Why not? I mean, it's, you know, 
if you look at 24 hour um, price changes, there's, then it's been all season, like forever. There's always some low cap coin, uh, or even sometimes, you know, um, coins that are in the, the top 50 that are on a tear. Um, I think it's, uh, I think the biggest issue is we don't really understand markets yet. These markets, um, they're very immature. There's a lack of liquidity across a lot of them. So they're trivial to manipulate. Um, especially like these, the lower cap coins, um, there's wash trading that happens on the dodgier exchanges. And, uh, then the, the people that are all bots on the, the exchanges with better reputation react to that. Um, so yeah, I, I largely view stuff like this, um, as either market manipulation or naivety, um, I think the only time that one can really claim you're an all season is if you're seeing a broad upliftment over a period of time. Um, and given that we've seen a broad decline over a period of time, um, largely due to capitulation, I think that maybe what we at best, what we're going to see is some recovery, which is not the same as alt season. Yeah, totally. What does alt season look like? What do we mean when we say, or when the media describes, you know, with headlines like this, alt season, we're not there yet. So, what do they mean? So I think, I think my definition for old season is if you bought an old coin um, when Bitcoin was at $20,000, um, then how much is that old coin worth in Bitcoin terms? Because pricing it in US dollar terms is misleading because when Bitcoin goes up, then of course, you know, your old coins US dollar price goes up. So if you, if you had one Bitcoin's worth of that old coin um, in when Bitcoin is at $20,000, how much do you have now? Well, you probably have like 0.1 Bitcoin now. Yeah. Um, and alt season, or maybe, maybe, you know, if it's a good alt, maybe you have got 0.4 Bitcoin. So you've only lost half your value in Bitcoin terms. So alt season is when, um, you, your Bitcoin, the, the Bitcoin valuation of your alt, of the alt that you hold, uh, or alt, um, increases, uh, higher than when you bought in. And that may not ever happen for, uh, many altcoins. It is attractive though when you're looking at a price of a of an altcoin of like you know twenty US dollar cents or eighteen cents or thirty dollar you know fourteen cents. I mean none of these um, like Tezos is the highest one here at uh, one like just over a dollar, right? So, in you know I suppose the the unsavvy investor I would describe myself as completely that guy. <laughs> he would look at something like this and he would say, "Hmm, I've got a thousand dollars, which we do." <clears throat> so we're going to buy Tether or Tezos rather at uh, $1.1 and then wait for the market to move like 30%. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah. And if you, if you want to do that, then I may, may I interest you in some penny stocks? Um, sure. How much you got? <laughs> hey dude, I love the Wolf of Wall Street. Don't just penny stocks, bro. That oaks a legend. I watched that film recently. Yes. He's my hero. That guy. Not, yeah. not, not for all the good, the right reasons though. <laughs> Just want to land that point. You know what I mean? I'm so p- purely from what he built. <laughs> sure. I, yeah. I'm a big fan of, um, of the movie too. It's, uh, and of course, DiCaprio hits it out the park. Oh yeah. He's a um, legend. Yeah. So I think getting back to, getting back to the topic on hand. Yes. Uh, I think buying an alt that's just gone up is crazy. Uh, in fact, if I were to, to play, in the penny stock world, or in this case, the old, the, the, the old coin world, mm. especially the low cap old coin world, I would do the opposite. I'd find what's declined over the past seven days. Pick something that doesn't have ridiculously low volume. So pick something that's got, let's say, I don't know, let's say we, we, we want a minimum of $15 million, $15 million in, in 24 hour volume. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, something that's declined quite heavily over the past seven days, but not due to some bad news. So, you know, you, Google for the alt's name and see that it hasn't been like 51% attacked or there hasn't been like some crazy thing like the, you know, turned out to be a scam and the teams disappeared. And if you can, if you can pick a couple of those, um, then you're buying them probably at like a reasonable low. Um, again, I'm not a trader, so I'm just telling you like based no, on no, my observation, this observations is not, are great. Yeah. This is not, not something that I would uh, particularly do, but if I wanted to play that space, then I think that that's that that would be that would make the most sense to me, rather than buying something that's on a tear because you could be buying at its all time high. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up. It's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Yeah, exactly. You don't, you don't know, right? Well, probably you are, but you know, buying it at, at the uh, all-time high. Speaking of this sort of stuff, uh, headline: Bitcoin tumbles while altcoins start downside correction. It's almost the opposite of what they've just said. <laughs> so I mean, like, do you know what I mean? This is why we do the show. Is because it's like, what the fuck is going on in the media? Do you know what I mean? It's like, no, it's running, and no, it's down. It's it's like, what do you do? You know, it's, it's like welcome to opposite day. Oh my gosh, it's so annoying. Specifically, that it's from the same news site. This is CryptoNews.com, by the way. And and there's like one day difference between the two the two articles. I know. Jeez, did you notice that? Damn, why did I close that? Okay. Anyway, but there you go. One day difference. That's how fast things move in crypto. So by the time you're listening to this, everything's pretty much pointless and irrelevant. So exactly, everything I've said is wrong. So it's great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, let's talk about some real news here. So Turkey announces plans for national blockchain infrastructure. That is a very interesting... I, I love the drawing. <laughs> Look at this thing. It's what is very, even happening? It's like an ad. Superimpo. Illustrated on top of a photograph of Istanbul wearing a Turkish cape. Like super ant. Why, why, <laughs> why is there a robot ant? I mean, like, I don't understand. Are like ants really famous in Turkey? Oh my God. That is so bad. <laughs> Maybe it's because it's Istanbul. Istanbul. No, it's not Istanbul. I don't know. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Uh, so the Turkish government has announced plans to establish a national blockchain infrastructure to utilize distributed ledger technology, DLT, in a public administration. So it's like a sovereign blockchain, basically. Um, so my understanding is that um, a lot of, uh, pretty much every cent- central government or central bank is toying with this idea of a central blockchain uh, my understanding is that even in our respect, South Africa has got a, a blockchain consortium and the banks are all working together as far, and, as far as I understand to build a sovereign blockchain to enable transactions between different banks on the blockchain. So sovereign blockchains, is this a thing that we should be really taking notice of as a community of consumers? No. No, I think that, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that there's some stuff that can be done um, using blockchains, um, uh, you know, I, I think I think particularly of uh, stuff like property transfers. Um, anyone who's who's dealt with the property market in South Africa will attest to how painful it is um, to buy property or sell property. You've got like money tied up with lawyers for a long period of time. The deeds office takes forever. You you become an old man whilst you're waiting for the deeds office to give you the new title deed. Um, and then the title deeds this flimsy piece of paper that you you know you better not lose, otherwise you've got to go pay a fortune to get a new one. And um, I I think that you could do it tokenized. You know, you could have each property represented as a token on on a on a blockchain. Sure, um, and uh, those transactions could even be expensive relatively. Um, you know, it could cost you whatever I don't know two hundred rand to to pay the transaction fee. Um, so you could represent it as like colored coins on on uh, Bitcoin or counterparty or, or whatever, um, and I think it could be it could be very powerful for something like that. But it would require a, an entire country to decide to do that. Mm. I think that the a lot of the proposals are permissioned blockchains, which I find very boring. Um, you know, you you want to have the the permissionless nature of a of a public blockchain like Bitcoin, where if your property were represented on Bitcoin, no one could stop you from selling that property um, to anyone else. Of course, property is, is a weird thing because um, if the government felt that you were 
um, illegally uh, selling it to someone, where maybe a sanctioned country or a citizen of a sanctioned country, they could just come take your property away. Um, so it's not like it totally alleviates that, but it's at le- it at least you know makes it a lot simpler. It would reduce um, a lot of the strain and pressure on the deeds office in South Africa and and similar entities in other countries. It wouldn't totally um, obviate the middleman, but it would definitely make it. I think at least um, a lot easier. Uh, but whether whether stuff like this will ever happen in any meaningful form, or whether they'll just be dabbling for the next ten years, is anyone's guess. Yeah, it is interesting. I just had a chat to Simon Dingle. He was um, basically saying that you know um, there are four stages to any new technology. It's like they ridicule you, and then they get angry with you, and then they argue, and then eventually you win. Sometimes. Um, <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I mean, it'd be uh, nice if Simon's that was true. Simon's really got a handle on uh, on a lot of this stuff. He's been around for a long time. He does. Um, and I, I really respect his his, uh, his opinions on, mm. on this stuff because he's um, – him and I get along really well. He's he's pragmatic like I am and he doesn't uh, – you know, he's, he smells a rat with a lot of the stuff that, that people are shilling and uh, doesn't – you know, he's not someone who is, is easily taken for a fool. We need a rat sound effect please. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, who knows, right? Who actually knows? We're laughing at it now, but it could be a real thing. Hi there, guys. So Crypto Kung Fu is proudly sponsored by Prime Health and ZA Nootropics. If you're listening to me right now, I know that you, like me, want to get the most out of your day. So whether you're an entrepreneur, a crypto investor, business leader, or simply a regular guy or girl like me trying to build something of value for yourself, you need what I have. And that is a customized mix of premium, high-performance, smart supplements, and adaptogens from Prime Health. This stuff is the bomb. So these products have helped me to make every day a success and have helped me improve my brain health, cognition, and overall stress management. ZA Nootropics are ready to help you too. So simply head on over to zanootropics.co.za and browse the online store of amazing smart supplements. And I highly recommend the Lion's Mane Mushroom. It will blow your mind. But whatever you buy, enter the code NINJA20 at checkout and you'll receive a 20% discount on your order. I cannot recommend these guys highly enough. So go there now. That's zanootropics.co.za. Um, yeah. So this one is, again, I love this uh, country stuff. Switzerland's first licensed crypto bank is eyeing expansion into Singapore. This is a much more appropriate graphic. Um, <laughs> there's no ants there's here no, <laughs> trying, trying to so invade good. Singapore. Um, <laughs> so that's quite good. Um, so Signum is in talks, I assume that's the bank's name, is in talks with local regulators to seal a banking license in Singapore, reported by Bloomberg. Um, so this is an interesting one, right? It's a crypto licensed bank, which is kind of not too much of a stretch off what we've just discussed around uh, Turkey, right? So in a sense, like it's a bank, they have um, their own blockchain, their own crypto, and they're looking to trade. Um, how does this change your view, if, it, if, if at all? And um, what do you see is the relevance of this idea of, of literally having a crypto bank that you can walk into uh, to trade? So, so Signum is interesting, but they, they largely just, uh, their main thing is, is custodial services. So you're able to, uh, they're able to, to give you a bank account denominated in, in Bitcoin, um, essentially, which is really nice. Um, and they, they've got a, like effectively what amounts to an OTC desk. So, you know, you can like deposit, uh, uh, dollars and then say to them, like, I want these dollars to be converted into Bitcoin and put into my Bitcoin denominated account. Um, uh. you know, from a consumer perspective, you can get roughly the same, um, experience using Revolut. Um, if I think you have to be a European citizen to use Revolut. Um, but there's, uh, it's, it's not, they're not the only entity, um, doing this, but it, it is interesting that they are, um, looking at expansion. Um, I think that there's, there's so much scope for the, for custodial services in, in a banking environment right now. I don't think it'll be that way forever, but I think for the moment where we're in this in-between world where we sort of have one foot in self-sovereignty and one foot in like the banking infrastructure that we can't get away from, 
then I think services like this are very interesting. Um, and, and they'll, they'll uh, potentially be quite important in helping people um, grow to self-sovereignty, which is, you know, I mean, we, we talk about be your own bank, but the actual things involved in being your own bank is yeah. uh, quite daunting for most people. Half, I mean, just a question, should we get away from existing infrastructures entirely? Because I do think there are some benefits with uh, the idea of regulation. One obvious one is that, you know, when you have regulators or whether, you know, when you have regulation, you do have institutional money that could come to play with your, with your crypto party. Um, and, uh, and this is what this uh, Signum Bank seems to have done. They, 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 they're claiming that they are a fully regula- regulated bank. Um, they've got $61 million in investments and they're being you know, inundated for new business. So, so, I mean, this seems to be a, a viable model. So, I, I mean, I'm of the opinion that... Um it's not that it's not that I'm assuring regulation or I'm saying that we don't we don't need this. I think there's a custodial services and regulation are two different things. Like you can have regulation um, without relying on everyone using a custodial service. So you could, for example, have regulation at the on ramp and off ramp point. So let's say that everyone was using Monero. You know, how would you regulate that? Well, you'd regulate it when they need to go from Monero to Bitcoin, or when they need to go from Monero to US dollars or to South African rands. You could also regulate it just through normal uh, regulation um, that, you know, normal governance. So I'll give you an example. Let's say Monero is used or Bitcoin is used for a criminal transaction. You don't need to rely on blockchain traceability or, you know, a custodial service in order to, to go and find those criminals. You can rely on good old fashioned police work. Um, and you know, there's things like, um, oh, tax evasion is another one. If people are trying to use Bitcoin for tax evasion, um, I think it's very stupid because ultimately you're going to get caught through things like lifestyle audits. Um, and you can't avoid a lifestyle audit. It's, you know, (laughs) it's pretty easy if you're claiming that you only earn five rand a month and yet you're driving around in a Lambo, someone's going to figure it out eventually. Um, and, uh, and so there's no... Regulation doesn't inherently need to live on a blockchain or, or live in a custodial service. Um, and, uh, and I think that regulators are slowly going to start to realize that. Um, as to whether, um, whether we need to have uh, custodial services, regulation, that sort of thing for um, uh, institutional money, I don't believe so. I think we've already seen um, institutional money come in without that. Uh, and, and in fact, like... Proper institutional money, um, institutional money from back banks and financial service providers and that sort of thing. Uh, they already are used to things like key storage. So banks, for example, use uh, and and uh, large corporations use something called an HSM, mm. um, which is a hardware security model module. And HSM allows them to securely store private keys. Um, HSMs have been around for man a decades. Um, they're not new technology, some of the, the largest companies um, uh, in the world that, that work on them are companies like um, Talus and, uh, and others. Um, and so we're not talking about, um, uh, Jamalto is another big one, we're not talking about a, a new thing where it's like hardware wallets are kind of new, you know, it's like, oh, look at my ledger or my trezor, oh, it's so cool, it's very fancy, I put it in my pocket. Uh, this is like the, the grown-up version of, of a trezor or a ledger and it's been around for ages. Um, and so institutional money can use those. And in fact, a lot of them like Jamalto and, and Thales have, um, have uh, uh, HSMs that support Bitcoin private keys, support Ethereum private keys. So there's no reason for institutional money to require custodial services at all. They can custody the stuff themselves. Yep. It's a great point. Speaking of devices, get ready for a blockchain device boom. That is the headline. Um, and this, get ready. Get ready for the explosion of blockchain phones. <laughs> Voice over blockchain. Here it comes. Blockchain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. There we go. Much better on the FX guy. Well done. So, um, yeah. Well, I mean, there was a, we covered with Ran, we covered a, a blockchain laptop. There are handsets, I believe, by, is it? IEC or high, Highway, one of the Chinese many. 
HTC's got a, a yeah, HTC. Yeah, thank you so yeah, much for clarifying my stupidity. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> but uh, but it is funny, right? I mean, imagine like you have a podcast app that's pre-installed on your phone uh, or your iOS phone, I should say. Uh, but now it would be quite funny to have a fully blockchain designed, you know, product you can take with you. So, so to be to be clear, what's interesting about this is. Um, is honestly not the blockchain-enabled nonsense. Um, what's really interesting is key storage. So going back to like HSMs mm. and hardware wallets, um, it's it's kind of, I mean, at the moment you can do key storage really well, especially on iOS devices. They've got a secure element. There's a standard way to do key storage. But now imagine if, um, you know, your, your like iOS had a, had a, a sort of um, cryptocurrency keys API and you were able to just, like firstly, securely generate them, which is kind of a big deal. Like mm. use a secure random gener- random number generator um, that's a dedicated hardware device on the phone um, in order to securely generate private keys and then securely store them. Also, how do you move them from one device to another? You upgrade your device or you move from iOS to Android. How do you move those private keys? You know, so this sort of functionality is very interesting and it, it is coming. Um, and of course, you know, this, it enables other things. Like I'll give you an example. At the moment, um, if you download a Bread Wallet and I don't know uh, Blue Wallet on your phone, two two Bitcoin wallets, they independently store different private keys. They you know they they have um, their own way to interact with the wallet and and so on. Now, if um, there was a shared key storage, then you know Blue Wallet would really just be an interface to that key storage. Uh, you know, lovely interface. That's great. Um, same with the uh, with uh, with you know blue blue wallets lightning stuff uh, which braid wallet doesn't have you'd still be using the same bitcoin wallet the same bitcoin private keys but you'd be able to do lightning on blue wallet and then on braid you wouldn't um, so you know it wouldn't detract from different wallets being able to do different things it would just enable really cool functionality uh, last thing that's really interesting about this is um, at the moment if you wanted to use um, on your phone, you wanted to use a wallet, uh, you normally have to download a separate app. But if there was secure um, cryptocurrency key storage um, and an API that enabled that, then you would be able to access that wallet um, from within a website. You know, So you're browsing someone's website and uh, there's a donation button. Instead of having the website hop out to a separate wallet application, there could be a native like iOS dialogue that says, or, or um, Android dialogue that says, oh, you know, do you want to send money to this person? Um, you know, you've, you're busy reading content. Would you like to send a micropayment? Um, so you could, there's all sorts of cool functionality that could be built natively. Um, I, I think largely a lot of other devices that aren't phones um, are disinteresting. They're, you know, things like, like, um, like nodes that are in a box are kind of interesting to some people. If setting up a little computer or buying a little computer and setting up a node is an issue. And sure, go get like one of those pre-roll, pre-configured nodes. Mm. Uh, hardware wallets are, of course, interesting, but I think that um, over time, they're going to go the way of digital cameras. You know, there will be some people that will go like, "Oh, I'm a power user. I need to have a Trezor and a Ledger and my phone, and then I've got like multi-sig between the three of them, mm. and have all the devices in my safe, but they're separated into three safes in three different countries. And every time I need to send a transaction, I have to get on a plane." Um, and but for most users, they'll just be like, well, you know, I have my phone. Is, is that okay? Is it, you know, that's secure, right? I want that. Can I get that? Which one? I, re- the, I like, want the thing know, where I can say, I've, I got bang- I'm banked in three countries. Yeah, right. You know, hi, can you send me 10 rand? Sure, hold on. Wait. I'd like to book a flight, please. <laughs> <laughs> From which country would you like to be paid? I'm global, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> Well, interestingly, Markets and Markets is predicting the value of this blockchain devices market. Currently, in 2019, it's $218 million. So it's embryonic, basically. Um, and But it is forecast over the next sort of five years to get to north of a billion. So it's going to be interesting to see this or to monitor the space and see where, where it nets out in the end, especially if you can be you know, that guy who can bank in multiple countries. By Isig. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, cool. Um, this one caught um, our attention. So Arab Bank Switzerland opens Bitcoin custody and brokerage services. An Arab bank in Switzerland. That's the thing that's interesting. And then... It's like a contradiction in terms. I know. It's like, you know, let's just go to Switzerland and open up a custody like type service for your Bitcoin, right? Should we do that? I'm serious. It's a great place. Look at this design I- though. <laughs> if you guys are listening to this, you have to watch the the YouTube video. We are on YouTube and on Prime, Amazon Prime and Roki. So um yeah, this is a horrendous design. Look at yeah, it. Yeah, that's the, the the pillars with the the little digital Why is it thing an Arab so basically what they're saying is the Swiss banks are really small and then the Arab banks are huge. Because <laughs> they have all that oil money. Don't bank with Swiss banks. Break, bank with Arab Bank in Switzerland. It's much bigger. They have real buildings We're and not have, just like something that looks out of looks like it came out of Rome. Yeah, exactly. We can have a glass bank made of crypto <laughs> just falling out the sides. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, this is hilarious. Um, but again, this is kind of underscoring what we're saying, right? It's, 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 it seems to me, when I look at this objectively, and not really understanding the underlying motives, but it certainly seems to me that there's a move towards the, uh, or by financial institutions towards the cryptocurrency space by playing this role of, of intermediary. It's the same as they have done for centuries. It's just now that it lives in the crypto space. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And that's, that's exactly what a custody service is. It's just an intermediary that you have to trust. So, you know, for, for some people, I'm sure that'll be fine. But I think that a lot of people are going to realize, like, uh, A, why are they paying for someone else to hold their money? Uh, what are they really getting out of it? Yeah. Uh, B, what happens when the bank comes along? I mean, the country comes along and says, oh, we've got negative interest rates or, you know, um, like, prescribed assets in South Africa and stuff like that, um, effectively forcing you to ultimately take a haircut. Um, some of the stuff is frightening. Uh, it's happened in, in all sorts of countries in the past. And when that, ha- when that hits, do you really want your stuff to be held in a custodial service? I mean, I certainly don't. Mm. It's my money and not anyone else's. Yeah. So last one uh, on the news. You'll love this one. Vice crypto ratings downgrades Litecoin and Cardano, but apps Monero. How about that headline? Did you pay for that? No, no. You sure. I don't. I, I actually I do not like Vice crypto ratings at all. I'm not a fan. So but I you, find this how very you, very. Useless. How can you bite the hand that feeds you here, Ricardo? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think me insulting them is going to make them downgrade Monero. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, just watch tomorrow; it'll be and downs Monero. <laughs> I mean, we have seen this happen on CryptoNews.com, right? Yeah. So, what's the stink here? How does this make you feel? Why? What is Vice Ratings anyway? Are they like? Um, they're a ratings agency, so you know um, they they fancy themselves like the ratings agency of crypto. But to be honest, some of their ratings are like really weird, um, and uh, and it's like some of the stuff really doesn't make sense. It's the same as I don't know if you've ever seen this, but the Chinese government have got a a bunch of crypto ratings. Um, unsurprisingly, <laughs> all the Chinese projects are like rated A plus. Um, and uh, and some of the stuff's just really weird. So it's, where they based I, these guys, these vice people? Not a clue. Viceland. Well, you know, know what? <laughs> but you know what? They've given you, like, this is real news, people. Real news. Are you sitting down? If you're driving, pull over to the side of the road safely. Uh, and then prepare for this news. Monero has been upgraded from a C to a C+. Well done. Well done. Finally. What we've been waiting for. You deserve a bell. I mean, the, it's, it's only up from there, bro. You know what I mean? You could go yeah, from give, like... Give a fan of bells. Yeah. <laughs> you could go from like a $1.3 billion market cap to one point, you know, three five, three five. based on this rating. <laughs> True. True. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Larry, so that concludes the news. Hey guys, so as digital citizens, we are all exposed to the good, the bad, and the ugly of social media and the internet. 
Being a victim of cybercrime, cyberbullying, revenge, pornography, etc. can be devastating and scary. But, you know, it's not the full story. We do, in fact, have good news here. There's a company called Save T-Net Cyber Safety, and they help victims for free by connecting you with the relevant experts such as forensic analysts, psychologists, and the right people at the police and legal advisors. This is a for-purpose company, and they also share the cyber safety message at schools, corporates, and everywhere they can. But they do need your help. So get involved. If you are an expert, join their network or let your CSI funding keep this engine going by empowering SafetyNet to reach more schools and affected people as possible. If you'd like the full story, check out my interview with Ria Net Leibovitz, the founder of SafetyNet, right here on the Matt Brown Show. And for more information, visit savetnet.com. So um, here we're going to dive into um, part two of the show, which is called, you ready for this, Ricardo? Dying to, to gauge your reaction here. It's called Crypto Cats. Very interesting sound effect. <laughs> What's happening to the poor cat? Uh, dude, that is from YouTube. I'm not going to lie. We had to cut corners. We missed it. And then we threw it in. And now we love it. It's like, oh, I, I can only talk for myself. But it gets the best reactions. So basically, this is where we're going to keep up with the with the the main cats in this industry, and we have an in feature segment here, um, and it's this guy. I don't know who's who here. Which is the guy? <laughs> who is who here? It's is it's okay. Well, firstly, please can you explain who this is? They're the people that uh, created Facebook. Yeah, uh, and and what are their names again? This is a, it's a test. Uh, I don't, Bob and Ted. No, it's not Bob and Ted. It's Cameron Winkelhoff. Yeah, that's yes. It. You don't want you don't want to winkle the Hoff. You don't want to. Yeah, totally. It's like they brought the Hoff back into today's times and made it cool. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? You can actually you can see that they've just come off an episode of Baywatch, and um, this was the award ceremony. <laughs> What the hell, dude? These guys are like intimately involved in uh, the launch of Facebook. They claim it was their idea, took uh, old Zuckerberg there to court and got paid an undisclosed sum. Then they wind up turning up in this crypto space, like as experts. Are they experts? Should we listen to Cameron Winkelhoff? That's the first Uh, thing. And then which one is which here? uh, So I think um, Cameron's the one with the C-shaped face. If you look at it sideways, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I mean, like they literally have the same hairline. I, I give up. It's almost unbelievable. It's almost like they're twins. They are. They must be twins. Are they twins? They are twins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they can't be twins. They just had plastic surgery to look the same. That could be it as well. I'm not I getting think, backed by. Like, Do you think Cameron will come on like, the show now? You could try. Um, they probably identify as a Winklevoss. The Winklevoss twins. Winklevi, I believe, is the plural. <laughs> One Winklevoss, two Winklevi. <laughs> All right. So these guys are doing some, or they're investing, number one. But I, I picked this up on Tyler Winklevoss's uh, Twitter. And he says, Houston, we have liftoff. The at Gemini mobile app is now live. You can download it at Gemini Exchange, blah, blah, link for fish paste. But basically what they've done is they've, they're claiming to have built, I don't know, it sounds so lame now, but the future of money, right? Um, and they've launched this exchange called Gemini. Um, it seems like uh, if you have money and you have influence, you can pretty much do what you want uh, in the space. Um, what do you say to inf- about influencers, and I use that term loosely, um, who are ha- having a say, they've got a huge following on Twitter, on social media and stuff like this, and they're influencing the ordinary man in the street, like QDOT, you know what I mean, in the voice of reason. <laughs> Um, and uh, and they, they can say whatever they want. I mean, it's like, do you know what I mean? Like, should we take these types of personalities seriously in the cryptocurrency space? 
So look, I, I don't fundamentally, I mean, I don't, it's not like I'm going to go out there and say that Gemini is a terrible exchange. I think it's totally fine as far as exchanges go. Um, I, you know, whether they've attracted anyone to, to crypto because they are the Winklevi, I don't know. Um, no, they have. I don't know. They have. He, there was a headline. Yeah, yeah. The, he, you know, he's got a book coming out about him. And what, uh, like, yeah, Tyler Vinklevoss, he, he And the headline yeah. was, and I'm not even joking. The headline was how Tyler Vinklevoss convinced his publisher that Bitcoin is the real deal. So I assume okay. the publisher is ghostwriting the book, and then, yeah. he, like, do you understand that there's a it yeah. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> doesn't it makes no well, sense? How Tyler convinced me that I should write this book? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, it's um, yeah. I I think uh, I think that largely it's. It, like they, they are definitely they hold some sway and some influence. Um, I, I don't know if I would uh, if I would really consider them influential to the man on the street. At least not in the same way that like an NFL player is. Um, and and when you see like some of the NFL players um, who have been spearheading uh, talking about Bitcoin um, and and accepting Bitcoin uh, in their contracts and stuff like that. Um, I think that's more influential. Uh, people like Jack um, from Twitter, um, who is extremely well respected um, in in the business world because he, you know, created Twitter. Uh, him um, talking about Bitcoin, I would find very influential um, to business people. Uh, the Winklevi, sure. I mean, I'm sure they they are influential. Whether it's good or bad, that's another thing. Um, I think it's there's probably it's probably net positive um, as long as they aren't trying to shill like crypto coin number 73. Um, that's, you know, as long as they're, they're sort of focused on broader adoption and, and particularly Bitcoin adoption, as I think Bitcoin has the most mature ecosystem um, and the, the easiest uh, on ramps for um, people, mm. then that's fine. Or to punt another app. Like, yeah, I mean, but I mean, this is they own Gemini, so they they're not punting someone else's app. You know, they they um, I mean, not like they built Gemini with their own hands, but they they funded it. And are you sure about that? I mean, they built well, Facebook, dude. Come on, <laughs> with their own two hands. Oh my god! They watch by day, developer by night. Totally. So we're gonna talk about the mm-hmm. risk. Uh, so Fluff Pony, what is the single biggest risk? <laughs> uh, uh, what is the single biggest risk to the world of cryptocurrencies and blockchain at the moment in your view what do we need to do uh, the heat death of the universe that's deep yeah okay second biggest risk um, I guess is uh, probably regulatory um, I think that the technology wise we've, we've the risks there are uh, almost negligible um but I think regulatory stuff can be pretty bad. Uh, there's there are privacy features being added to Bitcoin, um, and regulators are have, have proven themselves to be naive to the point of stupidity when it comes to understanding why privacy is important. Uh, not all of them. There's some regulators that totally understand why they close the bathroom door and they go to a public bathroom, uh, but there's some that don't and think that privacy is bad and that privacy will lead to uh, only to it only being used by criminals, which is idiotic because, um, in fact, the opposite is true. If you ban the thing, then criminals will still continue to use it, but the ordinary man in the street will not. Yeah. So, you know, the best way to make sure that uh, privacy enhancing tools um, and privacy features being added to Bitcoin have a net positive effect is to not regulate them uh, or not ban them at least um, and allow people who desperately need them to use them. Yep. Great point. Um, we're also going to steal that clip about the bathroom analogy and uh, use that on social media to build your profile. Perfect. How's that sound? Awesome. Great. Sounds great. <laughs> hey guys, so as digital citizens, we are all exposed to the good, the bad and the ugly of social media and the internet. Being a victim of cybercrime, cyberbullying, revenge, pornography, etc. can be devastating and scary. 
But, you know, it's not the full story. We do, in fact, have good news here. There's a company called Save T-Net Cyber Safety, and they help victims for free by connecting you with the relevant experts such as forensic analysts, psychologists, and the right people at the police and legal advisors. This is a for-purpose company, and they also share the cyber safety message at schools, corporates, and everywhere they can. But they do need your help. So get involved. If you are an expert, join their network or let your CSI funding keep this engine going by empowering SafetyNet to reach more schools and affected people as possible. If you'd like the full story, check out my interview with Ria Net Leibovitz, the founder of SafetyNet, right here on the Matt Brown Show. And for more information, visit savetnet.com. Uh, audience Q&A. So uh, if you uh, have been following the show, or if you are listening to the show, you can head on over to the Matt Brown Show on Facebook and drop us a voice note and ask our guests some questions. Uh, this one has come in and uh, let's hear what she has to say. Hey, Matt Brown. Um, Simone here in Santon. Um, would you guys say it's better to invest in Monero or Bitcoin? Thanks. That's a touchy, that's a, that's a tough one, hey? So, no, it's not really. I, I think that, uh, quite honestly, for the average person in the street, for somebody who is not um, deeply involved in this space, for someone who does not have the technical ability to understand, um, you know, what, what Monero's value proposition is and why it might be important, just buy Bitcoin. That is the safest bet. It's like saying to someone, uh, you know, hey, guys, should I buy um uh, Hong Kong dollars or US dollars? Well, you know, if you're a currency trader and you're deeply familiar with the political situation in Hong Kong, you might buy Hong Kong dollars, um, you know, because you see some potential or whatever. Um, but if you are not a currency trader, just buy US dollars, it's probably going to be okay, unless Trump screws it up. Um, and uh, so the same goes for Bitcoin, you know, barring some catastrophe, um, Bitcoin is going to at least be stable. Uh, more stable than than um, than most or all alts, and uh, at, at that's worst case scenario. And best case scenario is it goes up in value. And yes, it might go up in value over a micro time scale slower than um, an altcoin, but it will over a macro time scale. It's proven to go up in value significantly more uh, than most alts. So I would highly highly encourage people not to speculate unless you want to do this full time and you want to become a trader and you, you have, you know, proven yourself to be a good trader, which is like 0.1% of the people out there and just stick to what we call DCA dollar cost averaging. So dollar cost averaging means you just buy a little bit every month and you don't look at the price. You don't try and time your purchase. You just buy every month or every day or every week, whatever, whenever the, whatever the time period is. Um, and you buy the same amount and ultimately you're just averaging into to some price. So buy Bitcoin, basically. Buy now. Buy now. <laughs> <laughs> Big money. Big money. Make money. All day. DCA. <laughs> you should be a rapper. You know? You can no. call yourself Maddie Brown. No. No. Only if I can sell my, my, uh, my records through uh, secure tokens, if you know what I mean. Nice. <laughs> On Monero. It'd be like Matt's Monero blockchain launching <laughs> soon. Monero okay. Brown. Nothing. I don't get an effect for that. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, fine. Here's another question. Hold on. Hey there, Matt. Huge fan of the show, and I'm just getting into the cryptocurrency space. Um, all these investors are telling me that investing in the long run in the stock market is a good idea. I was just curious. Does the same thinking apply to the cryptocurrency space? Thank you. Yes, um, but I would not say it applies to the cryptocurrency space uh, in general, but it applies to, to some aspects of it. So, um, you know, if you look at, at Bitcoin as an example, there's a thing called the Lindy effect, which basically speaks about, um, you know, the, the complex system like that. The longer it has existed, the longer it will continue to exist. Uh, that's a sort of very broad definition, but still it gives you an idea of, of how you can gauge the longevity of some of the stuff. Bitcoin's been around for over 10 years. Um, it means that chances are the, the greatest possibility is it survived that long. It's going to survive another 10 years. Uh, it's had itself tested, beaten, 
threatened, um, banned, unbanned, uh, you know, uh, almost broken, um, threatened again, <laughs> and uh, it survived. So you can trust uh, to some degree that it's probably going to continue to survive for a long period of time. Um, I definitely would have more trust in Bitcoin surviving the next 10 years than in most companies. Um, if you look at the downfall of companies like Kodak, who honestly, at one point, Kodak would have probably been on everyone's list of companies to buy and to invest money in. Um, Atari used to be a gaming powerhouse. Um, so many of these companies that, that at one point were like, you know, thought to be major and massive and good investments are now defunct. And I think that that speaks volumes for how uh, risky the stock market can be. Um, and, you know, Bitcoin kind of survives regardless of what individuals do. Um, it's not like there's a CEO that if he gets hit by a bus, everyone will go like, oh, dear, who will lead? Um, uh, and with companies, you obviously have that risk. Um, and there's reputational risk for, for companies that are tied up in like individuals in a frightening way. And you don't have that with Bitcoin. So mm. I think Bitcoin's shot at longevity is, is uh, probably better than most companies, um, if not all. Okay. And I would definitely like, I would advise people if they were, if they were tossing up, um, throwing some money at the stock market versus throwing some money at Bitcoin. The, the best thing to do is just sort of split things out um, and say, you know, I'm going to put 50% into um, a unit trust. Uh, I'm going to put 50% into Bitcoin, you know, stuff like that. Just spread your risk if you're worried about it. If you're a little bit braver, um, you know, you're millennial or, um, you know, you weren't born in the 50s, then you probably go like all in on Bitcoin because, like, <laughs> you don't trust the government, you don't trust the banks. So buy Bitcoin. Pretty much. Buy now. Buy now. Great. Great answer. <laughs> so let's talk about trading the market. Um, trading the market. How are we doing? Have we gone up or down? The voice of reason. <laughs> we have sort of stayed no, the same. Volume. No, you need to get the volume there. We've stayed the same since uh, Simon Dingle's advice. We're at about $951. So I'm going to ask you for your trade, uh, Fluff Pony. Okay. Hmm. My trades. Do we just hold Bitcoin? Is that your deal? Or do you want us I, to? So I would say, uh, so we've got $1,000, right? Or, or what's yeah, the exact right, amount? 950 odd. $950. Okay. So let's see. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, he's getting the calculator gonna, out. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm taking a coin market cap. We're going to make um, money, people. It's going to be blood in the streets. Okay, so I would say we're going to use $850 to buy Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And we are going to play with $100. Ooh, what are we doing with it? Okay, with $100, uh, we are going to take... Oh, this is tough, hey? So tough. Mm. What are you thinking? You thinking alt? You thinking what kind of alt? Yeah, no, no, alt. I'm, I'm just seeing what's what's really taken a taken a beating. Um, so much blood in the streets. Only in the case of Ripple. Someone sort of <laughs> shorted that thing. When okay, so we're gonna, we're gonna take fifty dollars and we're gonna buy um, Hashgraph. Hashgraph, write that down, someone. <laughs> someone, give me a pen. Someone, someone, stat. Hashgraph, fifty dollars. <laughs> Lock that trade in. Uh, it's locked in. Great. Thank you very much. And we're going to take another $50 and buy um, oh, so many decisions. So many decisions. We're going to take another $50 and buy... Uh, EOS. Hmm. No, not EOS. EOS hasn't tanked enough. Okay, we're <laughs> going to take $50 and I'm going to buy something called Mindol, which I've never heard of in my life. Ooh, nice. M-I-N-D-O-L. M-I-N-D-O-L. 50 bucks. What's that trading oh. at? What's the price? Uh, 25.5 cents. Yeah, oh, amazing. We can buy a lot of Mondol. Mindol. Mindol. Sounds like a wine. Mindol, Mindol Cabernet Sauvignon. 
for 25 cents. <laughs> super aged. Super digital. Ah, super, it has a uh, cherry bouquet. <laughs> and oaky smell. It sounds, it, it's got a, a smell of that it might run up to 50 cents. Uh, Anyway, we're bastardizing this. Thank you so much, uh, Ricardo, for making that trade. And thank you for being on Crypto Kung Fu Powered by the Map Brown Show. It's been an absolute blast having a bit of fun. Uh, in this episode, it really has been uh, a lot uh, of entertaining visual, visual stuff. And I don't know what else is going on today. But, um, but re- uh, seriously, though, dude, thank you so much. And uh, wishing you and the Monero team all the very best for the future. Thanks for having me. Fluff Pony, everybody. This edition of the Map Round Show is brought to you by networkspace.co.za. In fact, our studios are here in building number four at Network Space up in Johannesburg. These guys have made us a huge deal, have really bent over backwards to give us the kind of service that most exciting businesses deserve. If you want more information about Network Space, you can actually come and check out our studio. We are always open to meet new entrepreneurs and business owners from around the country, and you can do that right here at networkspace.coza. Thanks for checking out the Map Round Show, guys. And if you'd like to get the Kung Fu put in your ninja, check out digitalkungfu.co.za. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.